well, <laughs> welcome everyone. I just realized something. It's there's nothing worse than going live and then realizing I don't have my intro. I don't have my intro music. I don't. I I completely left it out of the software. So welcome everyone. No, we will fix this. We will fix this. Give me one second. I'm going to open up the the laptop here, or the software. I'm going to go find it. There's our intro music. So are you ready? Are you ready to try that again? Welcome, everyone, to the Theology Central podcast, where um, I did not have my intro. You know what I had? I had this ready to go. This is what I had ready to go. I had that intro music ready to go. My other intro wasn't loaded. I, 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 okay. I won't listen until I hear music. That's okay. Nobody listen. This, this, this did not happen. Oh, the joys of live broadcasting. See, if I was recording this, I'd be like, well, that was stupid. Okay. Stop, delete, start over. But you're live on the air. There's, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no doing this again. Funny story. You may not think it's a funny story. Uh, you know, everyone knows I'm a professional wrestling fan. And, you know, professional wrestling is storytelling. I understand that it's storytelling. And when uh, sometimes they do these segments backstage where the wrestler is to cut what they call a promo, right? He's, he's setting up his frustration, his aggravation, his anger, his hatred for whomever he's going after, right? So they're backstage and the wrestler gets ready to cut a promo and he starts off, you know, I can't stand you. And he's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Can, okay, we need to do that again. Can we do that again? And the guy, the person doing the interview is like, buddy, we're live. We can't, like, we're live on the air. We can't, there's no cut doing it. We're live on the, you, don't you realize this is a live TV show? That's what I just felt like. Uh, hey, um, I'm live and I have no, I have no music. So I know you don't care about any of that, but are you ready? All right, now let's, let's do this correctly. We begin right now. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, October the 19th, 2022. I'm laughing because I'm trying to pretend that did not just happen. I'm trying to pretend. See, do I need to do that again? Okay. All right. I could not stop from laughing. I could not stop from laughing. All right, let's do this again. One more time. Take number three. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, October the 19th, 2022. It is currently 1.14 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And, well, how do you respond when things don't go according to plan? How do you respond when you look out your window and you see the world falling apart not going according to your plan, not going uh, according to the way you think the world should go. What do you do? How do you respond? Are you ready from this? From a theological perspective. Now, we just had a little bit of fun. We just had a little bit of fun. But that fun 
serves as a great example of something. See, everything went wrong right there. Everything went wrong. I didn't have the right music. Then I got ready to start again. I started laughing. Everything went wrong. None of that went according to plan. I had my plan. I had it all laid out and exactly how I was going to begin this podcast episode. And not one thing went according to plan. Now, I could get irritated, I could get frustrated, I could get mad, I could just say, you know what, stop it, delete it, I'll just do it again, I can go delete this before it gets sent to all the different podcast apps, no one will ever know that it happened, and we'll just, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to take steps to make it right. I'm going to take steps to make sure this goes according to my plan. I'm going to make sure this works the way I want it to work, because I'm not going to accept anything other than my way. I'm not going to accept anything other than my plan because any other plan that's not mine, I reject and I'm not going to accept it. Does that sound familiar? I think it should sound very familiar because I think that's a problem. I think it's a disease within the evangelical church. Now, I've talked a lot on this, on this podcast, sitting in front of this microphone, about lots of the problems I see in the American church, a lot of issues I see in the American church. And you hear me say a lot that I think one of the big issues facing the American church is the political hijacking of the American church, that the American church has been politically hijacked. What if that's not the disease? What if the political hijacking is not the disease? It's a symptom. And the real disease is the disappearance of a sovereign God. That what we're really seeing is the disappearing of sovereignty in the minds of Christians, in the minds of evangelicals. Let me try to explain. Is it possible? And I have mentioned this. I have mentioned this concept. I have mentioned this theory on a number of podcast episodes, but I received an email just a couple of days ago with someone really articulating this kind of concept in a fuller way. And I, and I emailed them back. I'm like, Hey, can I use your email? And they were like, that's why I wrote it. So, so thank you very much to the person who wrote the email. But is it possible? And I, and I've mentioned this so many times. But I'm going to now use the email here in a second and really kind of dig into this because I really want to throw this idea out there. Is it possible that Christians looked around at the world and like, man, what is happening? What is happening? Everything's falling apart. This is happening. This is happening. We got the, you know, LGBTQ, homosexuality, transgender, abortion. We've got sin. We've got, we've got political upheaval. The world is falling apart. We can't stand this. This, this can't be happening. This is not the way we want the world to be. I want the world to be like it was when I was growing up. I want a better world. I want a Christian world. I want this and I want godliness and I want holiness and I want righteousness and I want different kind of music and different kinds of movies. And, and I want Disney to show the movies I want. I don't like any of this. Is it possible that Christians, in a sense, stood at the, the windows of the church looking outside going, man, that is a mess. We can't, we can't tolerate that. We can't accept that. So we're going to fix it. We're going to do something about it. And so does, instead of focusing on, well, wait, God is sovereign. 
God has given us his word telling us exactly what to do when the world is falling apart, and that is to continue to do what we're supposed to do, whether everything is going the way we want to or it's not going the way we want to. We are to bring the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our job is not to transform the culture and turn it into something we want by politics or force. We are to maintain the gospel, preach the gospel, live out the Christian life. But it's like the Christian world looked around and like, forget God, forget his sovereignty, forget his word. We're going to go fix it. And how can we fix it? We'll turn to politics. So it's almost like the sovereignty of God disappeared and the sovereignty of self and the sovereignty of self-effort to fix the problem really became the disease that infected the church. And the political hijacking is simply the symptom of the disease that instead of looking to God and turning to the sovereign God and trusting that God was at work, even though we didn't understand it, we said, okay, God, look, look, we've relied on you long enough. You sit down. We're going to take it from here. And so then we started running around culture wars, politics, fighting, arguing, and trying to use every basically carnal and fleshly concept to, in a sense, Make the world into the image that was comfortable for us. Now, you may disagree with that concept. You may disagree with my theory, but I think there's something to it. Because remember, the theological basis in which Christians are to operate from is this. Let me see if you know these words. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him. We're predestinated according to the purpose of him. That is God who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Is God truly sovereign? Is he truly working all things according to his good pleasure and will? Or is God going, oh, I've lost control, guys. It's spiraled out of my control. I don't know what to do. Do you guys have a solution? Or like, we do. It's called politics. It's called the culture wars. It's called arguing and screaming on Twitter. Yes, we've got it figured out. It's called calling people names and attacking people and storming the Capitol and whatever other nonsense we can come up with. It's called Christian nationalism. That We've got it. Or is it supposed to be, Lord, all things are working according to your good pleasure and will. You're sovereign. Your word tells us what to do. We're to pray. We're to fast. We're to proclaim the gospel. And we're to live out our Christian life. And we're to love our enemy. We're to love our neighbor. And we know we're going to fall short of these things, but this is what we are to pursue. Now, the email I received here is what it said. I received this on October the 17th. At 10.51 p.m. in the evening. New thesis. Here's the, here's the headline or the subject line for the email. New thesis. The political hijacking of the church is the symptom, not the disease. They write, I was just listening to your review of that last youth conference sermon, and your review led me to a new thesis about what the real disease of American Christianity is. Now, I'm, I'm glad someone, something good came out of those review, the review of those youth conference sermons because those things were an abomination to 
everything. Okay. But, but that, but that's a different story, but I'm glad someone listened to that and they, they decided to write an email of, of something of, of, of significance because they, they could have just listened to that. And I'm like, that, that, that's a minute. That, that was a train wreck. That was a train wreck. But let, let's see what they have to say here. Let me read this again. I was just listening to your review of that last youth conference sermon and your review led me to a new thesis about what the real disease of American Christianity is. It is not the political hijacking of the church. That issue, as pervasive as it is, is a symptom of the real disease. Our rejection of the sovereignty of God. Now, I, I, I think there's something to this. I think the church has forgotten God is sovereign. God works everything according to his good pleasure and will. We're like, nope, nope, God, God is not a part of this, so we have to take, take, take care of this. And so when things don't go according to plan, right? When things don't start the way we want them, like a podcast episode, when it does, we're going to, we're going to do this. No, 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 no. The problem was this. And we come up with conspiracies and we come up with enemies and we come up with villains and we're going to do this and we're going to blame this and we're going to fix this and we're going to do this and we're going to protest this and we're going to boycott this and we're going to protest and we're going to do that. We, we all of a sudden almost forget that God even exists. Next paragraph. One of the central tenets, um, and they say, and they give it a different name, but one of the central tenets of, of what is commonly called Christian nationalism is the belief that through pietism, piet being, being, being basically spiritual, going to spiritual piety, looking at that, or fundamentalist, or fundamentalist isolationism, we surrender uh, the culture to the pagans and that through uh, basically Christian nationalism, we must reclaim American culture for God. They, they, they go into much more technical terms and they're, they're, they go much more in, in explaining this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simplify this so that we can make sure we clearly understand what this person is saying. That basically one of the central tenets of, say, Christian nationalism, right, is that, well, they, they kind of go a different direction, but I'll just read it this way is that if you look at it, that in, in some aspects, especially during, like, say, the fundamentalism, they kind of taught this isolationalism, like we kind of heard taught at the Christian Youth Conference, this kind of a Christian uh, isolationism or a fundamentalist isolationism, where you kind of run, you lock the doors, and you stay away from the horrible culture because it's all pagan and it's all bad and it's horrible, and we got to stay away from it. We've got to run from it because it's bad. He's saying that if you look at this from, say, a Christian nationalism perspective, as they're like, we must reclaim this culture for God. Hey, hey, look how bad the culture is. It is bad. It is horrible. It is ungodly. We have to reclaim it. We have to make it Christian again, right? And how do we do this? Through political effort, through political force. We do so through that. So if I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm kind of rewriting this email as I'm, I'm reading it, but that's okay. Because I want to make sure I kind of follow, I want to make sure we follow the line of thinking here because I think there's something to this, all right? So if you take Christian nationalism, all right, that the fundamentalists surrendered the culture to the pagans in a sense that, hey, it's, it's bad, it's messed up, we should kind of remove ourselves from it. 
Now, even within fundamentalism, though, I would argue that many of them would say, hey, the world is so bad, we have to withdraw, we have to retreat. But even within fundamentalism, there was always a lot of, we should do this or this or this to change the culture. We should pass this law. We should ban this. So even within fundamentalism, there was always this a little bit of, hey, we withdraw because it's bad. We retreat and stay away from it. See no evil, hear no evil, stay away from it. But then there was always a little bit of, we have to reclaim it for God. We have to, in a sense, make it Christian again. Now, not, I'm not saying all fundamentalists took this concept, but many did, right? It was almost like they're bad, stay away from them, but we need it now to reclaim it. We need it now, we need to somehow take control of it, which I think is a major problem. So they go on to say this. We saw this after, after 2020. The whole stop the steal movement is built upon the idea that it was God's will for Trump to be reelected, right? So in other words, the argument was God wanted Trump reelected. There's no way he wouldn't have been reelected, but somehow it got stolen. So now we got to stop the steal. We got to go with conspiracy theories that it was a computer system, that, that it was this evil. Wor- Which then, uh, what, what do you do when you start saying that? You destroy the sovereignty of God. God wanted Trump reelected. The pagans stole it. Now we got to fight against the pagans. We've got to expose the conspiracy. We got to find a way to do this. We got to maybe a legal battle or storm the Capitol or whatever the case may be. But once again, it's like, okay, you've got this idea that we've got to reclaim the, the culture in the name of Christ. We got to make it Christian and we got to do so by some kind of, we got to turn to something to make it happen, which is typically politics. And we've got to stop the still, which seems to completely eradicate that. What? Well, wait, God, God is not in charge. God doesn't put those in charge in place. Isn't God the one who sets up the king or brings down the king? Such thinking is a categorical rejection of the central teaching of Romans 1, 18 to 32, that God allows a person or a church or a nation to turn evil. God allowed the mainline denominations to go apostate. God allowed Americans to reject him as creator and turn to evolution. God allowed the leaders of our institutions to become anti-Christian. God allowed Roe v. Wade. God even allowed Drag Queen Story Hour. We may hold to confessions of faith that assert in the sovereignty of God, but in reality, we do not. And I think, I think there is truth to that. Then I think they sent a follow-up email, if I can go here, if I can find the follow-up here. I think they sent a follow-up. I get lots of emails, so you got to give me a second to go all the way down and find it. I get lots of emails. Right, here we go, if I can find it here. They sent another one. They said another thing that just came to my mind was that many of the, they sent this to me at 11 p.m., so just a few minutes later on October the 17th. Another thing is that just came to my mind was that many of these same people 21 years ago said that God was not only sovereign over 9-11, but God allowed it to happen as a judgment for abortion and the LGBT lifestyle. Furthermore, and since you were around in the 80s, you can attest to this, these same people once said that God gave the LGBT community AIDS as punishment for their behavior. Yes, So sometimes God is sovereign over what happens. If there's a hurricane, God brought the hurricane, boom, to punish gay people, right? So in one second, they'll say God is sovereign. But in the next second, no, culture is falling apart and God has nothing to do. God is not sovereign over it. We've got to step in and we've got to take care of it. 
So it's the disappearance of God's sovereignty that leads Christians to embrace uh, basically a cultural war, to embrace a fleshly way of trying to fight it. I think we, I think this is always a problem within Christianity. We always want to try to understand or explain what is happening and why it's happening and who is to blame. If Job teaches us anything, we don't ever understand a lot of times what is happening. We don't understand why it's happening. We may understand what is happening. Job understood, obviously, he was suffering, but he was never given insight to the why. It was never explained to him why this back and forth between God and Satan was playing out in a sense in heaven, and it involved Job suffering here on earth. He was never given insight into that. We know it wasn't according because Job's sin had nothing to do with his sin, but there was this, he was suffering. So Job, in a sense, gives us the idea that sometimes things are happening according to God's sovereign plan that we do not understand. It, it, it looks horrible. It looks bad. And we're not given the explanation, but we always want an explanation. Oh, 9-11 happened. God, God wanted that to happen, to punish us for sin. Oh, AIDS happened. That's God wanting, wanting people to be punished for sin. Well, whoa, slow down. So childhood cancer is God wanting children to be punished for their sin. How dare you say that? Well, I mean, the children are, are sinners just like the homosexuals are, right? We're all sinners, right? No, 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 no. How you can't say that. So see, sometimes God is sovereignly at work and sometimes God's not sovereignly at work. And so I think what happens in the minds of many Christians, the sovereignty of God disappears and the sovereignty of self is exalted. And then we start coming up with our plans. And our, now we may you, we still may refer to God when things go against the bad people, right? Hurricane kills people. It had to be God punishing homosexuals. What when what happens when a hurricane hits a different location? Maybe that is much more opposed to homosexuality. How do you explain that? Well, then that wasn't God. Then also we remove God from it. Wait, wait. What if the election doesn't go the way you want? Oh, oh, well, well that well, that wasn't God. That wasn't God. That was that was liberals stealing it through some grand conspiracy to hack to hack computer systems to change the vote. See, no, no, that God had nothing to do with that. So sometimes God is completely in charge. When it goes the way we want it to, and when it goes the way we don't want it to, God lost all control. And in the meantime, we run around trying to then make things work according to our plan and our will. So in his email, he kind of separated, he, he, he kind of, and, and the emailer can clarify this. He's kind of has, and I do agree, fundamentalism did retreat from the world. But I will argue that many fundamentalists was also constantly arguing for, we need prayer in the public schools. We need the Ten Commandments. We need this. We, many fundamentalists were still fighting for that same kind of, of, of concept. But they did, in a sense, hand the world over to the pagans and say, here you go. We want no part of it. It's all bad. But then there was a, almost a constant, at least in some fundamentalist churches, only because I was in that world for a very long time, there was almost a, a call for a culture war. Well, clearly the Christian nationalism, it's full-blown. We're going to reclaim the culture. We're going to make it Christian. And we're going to do so by politics. We're going to do so by culture war. But it doesn't, it doesn't work. So how do we understand a world that everything is going against the way we want it to go? Don't we see God's sovereignty in that? 
So that's what I love about Job. God giveth, God taketh away. Job understood God's sovereignty and work and the good that happened, but he also understood God's work and the bad that happened. And I, some of you will say, but it wasn't God. It wasn't God. It was Satan. God was in charge of that entire situation. So what we have to see is the good or the bad. Somehow God is at work. His sovereignty is at work. We may never understand the why. In fact, we're all never given insight into the why, but we are given insight into the who. God works all things according to his good pleasure and will. So we need God is involved. And then his word tells us what we are to do and how we are to react. We are to react in living for God's glory. We are to react in maintaining a focus on the gospel, living out the Christian life, loving our enemy, loving. We know what we're called to do. We're going to fall short of it, but we know what we're called to do. We know that, I mean, we can go right here to Romans 13. I know that this no longer means what it used to mean. Before COVID, everyone seemed to have an agreement on Romans 13. And then after COVID, nobody agrees on Romans 13 anymore. And it's amazing that we can change the meaning of a passage because we don't like what's currently happening within the culture. Isn't that a, I love that, right? Demonstrating that we are sovereign, God is not sovereign. But let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there be, there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God because God is sovereign. He is in charge. All things work according to his good pleasure and will. And you're like, well, I don't understand why these bad things were happening. I don't understand it either. Job didn't understand it either. I, I will never under, there's a million questions about things that happen in this world 24 hours a day, seven days a week that I will never understand why. I've said it a million times. My problem, my, my difficulties with Christianity begins in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created, and I immediately want to scream, why? Don't, don't create it. We all know what it's going to turn into. Why would you create it? And if you say, well, that wasn't God's original plan. Are you saying he didn't know what was going to happen? And he sure in the world didn't do anything to, you know, change it, fix it. He didn't, he didn't in a sense inject himself into it in a way to fix it other than sending his son to die for the sinners that would be present within the world. But he didn't do that which to stop it which he could have a a hundred different ways. So is the problem in the church is the disappearance of a sovereign God. And God only comes out as sovereign when, when bad things happen to bad people. Then God is sovereign and he's bringing punishment. But when things don't go the way of the Christian, then God's not involved in that. That's somehow Satan, that's bad people, that's liberals, that's Democrats. And we now have to fight them and we got to reclaim it. This Christian nationalism, this Christian nationalism, the result of a disappearance of a sovereign God in the minds of many Christians. Is the rise of Christian nationalism the result of the theological denial, rejection, or ignoring of the sovereignty of God? Is Christians' reaction to Trump losing the election 
is their reaction simply the symptom of the disappearance of the sovereignty of God? Now, we can look at it from a political standpoint. We can look at it from a Christian nationalist standpoint. But let's look at it in your life or my life. Are there times that we forget the sovereignty of God in situations? I know I do all the time. I'm like, okay, God, God, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. I'm going to do this. I think the emailer brings up a very important question. I'm going to go back to the original. I'm going to go back to the original. Um, um, I'm looking at... Yeah. I'm looking at the idea that uh, this idea of the of the belief that through pietism or fundamentalist isolationism we surrendered the culture to the pagans. And this idea of 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 Christian nationalism, we must reclaim it. I, I'm still trying to unpack exactly what was trying to be said there, but I, I think I, I think I did a pretty good job of accurately describing what the emailer was trying to say. I changed some of the words a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, the idea is that we have to take Christianity and integrate it back into the culture. But I I, I don't even like to say the, to integrate it. It's it's. I think Christian nationalism is not integrate. It's just to make the country Christian basically by force. If you want the world to be Christian, you have to present the gospel to the world, and then they repent and, and believe, and then 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 they see then we give them the scriptures to say now this is the way we are to strive to live. You can't make the world Christian by simply trying to integrate it back into the culture. Now, this person obviously was not in any way supporting Christian nationalism. He just used some terms here about Christian nationalism, but. I do believe fundamentalist, I, I think there was a move within Christianity to surrender the culture. It was almost like, okay, the culture over there is horrible. Let's get away from it. Instead of being integrated in it, let's isolate ourselves from it. I just don't know if I see Christian nationalism as an attempt to integrate it back into the culture. I think Christian nationalism is a way to over, is to take over, take over the culture, almost demand it, make it Christian. But I think we need to consider the disappearance of God's sovereignty. When you hear Christians talk about the world and the culture, do you think that they are speaking and you can only you can tell me what you hear in your circles, your church, your Sunday school class, your Christian friends, when you have Christian get-togethers or, I'm sorry, Christians don't get together, when Christians have fellowship together, when Christians talk about what's happening in the world and the culture, does it appear that it's coming from a position of understanding God's sovereignty or does it seem to be coming from a position of rejecting or, or ignoring God's sovereignty? And whenever they speak of God's sovereignty at work, is it always in regards to bad things happening to the supposedly bad people? Like if something bad was to happen to Joe Biden, I think Christians would say, see, God's sovereignly at work. Joe Biden winning the election, that wasn't God sovereignly at work. 
that was the the result of a grand conspiracy that God didn't stop. Do you, do you see? I, I, does that? I hope that makes sense. So the political hijacking is because, well, we've got to do something. We got to turn to politics because the God and His sovereignty has disappeared in the minds of many evangelicals. That's the thesis. You can you can tell me what you think. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I was giving uh, anyone an opportunity to see if they agree or disagree or if they had a counterposition or a difference of opinion or if they had questions. Um, I'm going to wait here and make sure I haven't missed any comments. All right, I'm not seeing any comments. I will say this. The beginning of this podcast, everything went wrong. In our culture, in the world, things have, from our perspective, have been going wrong, I guess, all the way from the moment Cain killed Abel. Things have been going wrong all throughout the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. You can just go throughout the entire Bible. What do we do? How do we perceive when things don't appear to be going the way we think they should go. What do we do? How do we respond? This is not a political issue. This is like a theological issue. This gets down to like the very, 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 very real parts of our life. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.